Hi, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Don't Silence Us. I'm your host, Melange. I'm a graduate of John Jay College. I have my bachelor's degree in political science with a minor in theater. John Jay College is the number one college in New York City for criminal justice. So even though my major was political science, I was required to take a few courses on criminal justice. What I learned is there is this common saying that people say, which is the criminal justice system is broken. And I would have to disagree. It was built to not serve justice for people of color, which is why I made this podcast, Don't Silence Us. Another thing about me is I'm a playwright, and a lot of the plays I write about do involve social issues. So bringing awareness about social issues is something that has always been important to me. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking about real-life news from around the world that has happened to people of color and the impact it causes to people of color. I would not recommend this podcast for anyone under the age of 16 or if true crime or listening to the news is not your jam. Now, before I dive into the first episode, I do want to give a trigger warning. The first episode that I will be talking about has a lot of mention of domestic abuse. So if that is a topic that you are uncomfortable with listening to, then I suggest to not listen to today's episode. There's also the domestic violence hotline number that you can call at any time. Their number is 800-799-7233. So for my first episode, I'm going to be talking about someone named Ali Abulaban. Ali Nasir Abulaban was born on Staten Island on May 18, 1992, and grew up in Manassas, Virginia. His family is from Palestine and eventually moved to the U.S. Ali always wanted to be a celebrity. He wanted to have a career in singing and acting. And once he graduated college, he was an IT network engineer for a federal government agency. Ali and his wife got married on January 27, 2017, and their daughter was born in 2016. It's not clear where his wife was born. Some sources say she was born in Japan, some say Staten Island, and some say in the Philippines. What I do know for sure is that she went to college in the Philippines and got her bachelor's degree in science. Fulfana and Ali were not fans of their jobs, and so their main focus was to do content creation full-time. He's 31, and he's known as Jin Kid on TikTok. He did skits where he would impersonate Tony Montana from Scarface. Anna, on the other hand, would do TikToks on beauty and lifestyle, so she would have get-ready-with-me videos and how-to makeup tutorials. Ali and Anna did collaborate sometimes to show people how their marriage was, and it comes off as loving and playful. Their posts would have captions such as, when your relationship is drama-free, when your partner is your best friend. Their daughter would sometimes appear in these TikTok videos, and fans just saw this loving, successful, and happy family. Ali and Anna were living in Virginia, but in February 2021, they moved to San Diego. Ali claimed that his wife's lifestyles have changed, which caused tension in the relationship. He also believed that his wife was being unfaithful to him. He says that his wife is out partying all the time. And during an interview, he says, that was part of the downfall. My wife wanted me to move out here with her friends to a life where there's Taco Tuesdays, Women's Wednesdays, Party Saturday, and Bar Sunday. Ali's family said the opposite. They said Ali was actually the one that was always partying and also did drugs. They believe that was the cause of him being aggressive. His cousin even admitted in an interview that Ali would pull out a large bag of cocaine. He would call Ali out for this and be like, what the hell are you trying to get us in trouble? 
And Ali would say, I'm Jin Kid. I can do whatever I want. Nobody can touch me. I'm Jin Kid. So today I'm about to unravel this whole story and get into what happened. So Ali and Anna were living in an apartment complex called Spire. S-P-I-R-E. As I mentioned before, Ali was known on TikTok. He had 950,000 followers. And he said that his favorite actor is Al Pacino. And his favorite movie was Scarface. And the reason why I'm mentioning Scarface and his TikTok content is because I think him being obsessive with that movie and that character and the things he does on his TikTok correlates with his real-life behavior. Everyone in Ali's family said that social media has changed him completely. Ever since Ali and Anna moved to San Diego, their marriage was deteriorating. There would always be verbal and physical fights. There was a couple that wasn't living in their apartment but lived across from them. Anna runs to them and begs them to call the police because Ali took her phone so she couldn't call the cops herself. So yes, Anna was a victim of domestic abuse. Before this exact incident happened, the police have actually arrived several times to their home. Christopher Leahy, who's the sergeant of the San Diego Police Department, said that Anna had called the police at least nine times on different occasions over the span of three or four months. The police have arrived to the apartment, but for some reason, Ali was never arrested or faced any charges. Their daughter, who was five years old at the time, saw her mother get pushed by Ali. So even though their daughter was a witness, the cops still did nothing on their end. And at this point, Anna is so fed up with Ali. I mean, she already was over him because after the move with San Diego, as I mentioned before, their marriage started to go downhill and Ali started to become physically and verbally abusive to her. But now that her daughter saw this happening, and also there was another incident that he gave his daughter a loaded gun. So because of those two factors, she is now like, okay, I need to move on. So she's planning on going forward with the divorce and a filing for a restraining order as well. On October 18, 2021, Anna asks Ali to leave their apartment. And instead of respecting his wife's wishes, he makes a copy of the key to their apartment so that he can enter whenever he wants. So now Ali is living in a hotel located in Mission Bay. He wants to get back together with Anna, but she just wants to move forward with legal action to protect her and her daughter. Ali's convinced that Anna's cheating on him with her friend, and his name was Rayburn Barron. Now, when people talked about Rayburn Barron, they said he was the light at the end of the tunnel, like he always cared about other people and he made people smile and he was a and he was a genuinely good person. But when Ali's convinced that Anna is allegedly cheating on him with her friend, this angers him. And so with the key that he made a copy of, he destroys everything in Anna's apartment. When Anna comes home and finds this out, she doesn't report it to the police. And the unfortunate truth is that when you're a victim in a domestic abusive relationship, you usually suffer in silence. So the other initiative that Ali has when entering the apartment is to install an app on his daughter's iPad. It's an app that allows Ali to hear audio going on inside the apartment. Later on that same day, he's listening to everything going on in the apartment through his cell phone. 
and he heard both Anna's voice and a man's voice and some laughter in the background. The camera footage caught Ali running out of the hotel. And Ali is now charged with two first-degree murder counts after his wife and her friend were found dead inside an apartment. Now, let's fast forward to an interview in jail. A reporter asks Ali, you remember I mentioned before that his family said that he partied hard? They also said that he did drugs. So a reporter asks him, do you think doing cocaine made you snap? Did it change you? And he admits that it did change him. She asks, do you feel any remorse about the situation? You know, what happened with Anna and Ray? And he says, are you kidding me? I'm devastated. I'm broken. I lost the love of my life. Before the interview in jail, the reporter says she wrote him and she told him, we're doing a story on what happened. We love to hear from you. He wrote back and I was surprised. And I said, does your lawyer know you're speaking with us? And he said, yes. She told me not to talk to you. So I said, why did you choose to talk with us if it's against the legal advice? He said, I want to get my side out. End of quote. She mentions about him picking up his daughter the day that Anna and Ray were murdered. And she asks, did you have a gun in the car? Why did you go pick up your daughter? He doesn't really answer the question, but he is looking at the reporter straight in her eyes and says, I'm the one that's called the police. So basically saying that because he called the police, there's no way he could have killed them. She also asks him, what happened when you found Rayburn? And he shakes his head no. And she's like, no? Like, you're not going to answer the question? And he just keeps shaking his head and he doesn't answer the question. So in this interview from jail, the reporter asks him, how did you feel when you heard the man's voice? And he said, I was freaking out. Oh my God, I caught her. I caught her. Oh my God, oh my God. There's a man, there's a man. And then guess what? I hear like a fucking nightmare. R&B music. I'm driving and I'm like, don't have sex, Anna. Don't have sex, Anna. I'm like, don't do it. And I'm screaming. Now, sources say allegedly, Ollie was cheating on Anna multiple times during their marriage. And now they're actually separated at this point. And he's the one freaking out and accusing her of cheating. In the same interview, the reporter asks him, how did you confront her? And he said, my goal was just to try to get a hold of my family. It was slipping through my fingers. I'm the loser here. I lost. I lost. I lost the love of my life. Everybody I reached out to when I was going through this problem, when I couldn't get a hold of Anna, told me, dude, you got to leave her. You got to leave her. You got to leave her. I know I got to leave her, but I don't want to leave her. Dude, you're so handsome. You're famous on the internet. You could get any model. And he says, I know I can, but I don't want to. I want my wife. Nobody else could have her. Not while she's married to me. When he did this jailhouse interview, it was obviously a mistake. His lawyers told him not to do it, and he went against their advice. Also, if you listen to the interview, you can actually find it on Fox 5 on YouTube. I've watched it, and I realized that he ends up contradicting himself most of the time. The reporter mentions what was his reaction when he saw Anna and Ray at first, and he says, I don't really remember. It was a blur. When I opened the door and saw what it was, that fucking broke my heart. To see her kissing Ray on my couch with his feet on my table with my wife, my money, my apartment, my life, in the house that my daughter sleeps in on the furniture that I put together, what do you expect a man to feel? Then later on in the same interview, 
He says Anna and Ray were dead when he arrived. Now, prosecutors have the theory that Ali rushed to the house with his loaded gun, extremely angry, and he opened the door with the key that he had, saw Anna and Ray on the couch together, and shot both of them. And the reason for this theory is when the cops arrived later on that day, they discovered that there were three bullet shots at Ray that entered his neck, entered his chest, and the back of his head at close range. And Anna was shot in the forehead. After he shot them, he left immediately after and called the police to report the bodies. There's an estimation that the couple was shot before 3 p.m. and Ali called the cops at 3.10 p.m. When he made the call, he was asked to stay in the apartment and he said he wasn't able to and that he had to leave and he hung up the phone. The neighbors who heard the gunshots saw Ali leave the apartment. He was seen going inside his car, which was a black Jeep Wrangler, and he heads to his daughter's school. He places his daughter in the car and he says, Daddy hurt mommy. After telling his daughter that he calls his mom and tells her that he killed his wife, he's now driving on the highway with a loaded gun and his daughter in the backseat. It took about 45 minutes for the cops to catch up to him. They arrest him peacefully, and during the police interrogation, Ali admits that he did shoot both Anna and Ray. But after the interrogation, he states that he's innocent. During the testimony, he pleaded not guilty to all charges. And while the prosecution talks about what evidence they have against him, he's in handcuffs and he stands up and shouts, I can't do this. I can't do this. And the judge looks at him and says, you can't have any outbursts and I'm not going to allow you to speak. At a preliminary hearing, the judge states that Ali remains in custody without bail and he should also have no contact with his daughter. Now, I looked up Ali's socials. His TikTok account is suspended, but his IG account is still open. And his last post was on October 14, 2021. And the post is titled Montana, a Scarface prequel film starring Ali Jenkid Laban as Tony Montana. And the caption says, Montana, a Scarface prequel film fan-made teaser. This is an audio trailer and movie concept that I put together to give you all a small glimpse of my vision and desire to give the world a new Scarface story. And even though that post was over a year ago, he's actually gained more followers. And he said that he misses making videos. He says, it's everything I have. It's my baby. I love what I do. The weekend before he got arrested, he actually was going to become an A-list celebrity. He made connections with a talent agent and many producers in Los Angeles. And instead of taking accountability for what he's done, he says that all of this never would have happened if they didn't move to San Diego. He also claims that Anna was partying every night, which was so far from the truth because Fox 5 actually sat down and had an interview with Anna's friends. And Anna's best friend Cassie said, Ali's a bad guy. There's nothing good about him. He's selfish. That's all I can say. He's selfish. And Cassie also brought up the point that Anna barely partied because she was the responsible parent. She was always the one taking care of their daughter. And the rare moments that Anna actually did go out to party, she couldn't even enjoy herself because he would bombard her phone with calls and messages. And his cousin said that Ali became extremely jealous every moment he wasn't with her. And he was very controlling to her. Every second of the day, 
He wanted to know what Anna was up to. And his cousin said for a while there were clear signs that the marriage was falling apart. But Ali was confident he could win his wife back. He would complain about the situation to his cousin and send Anna so many messages begging her to take him back. He would also go as far as calling her friends, threatening them to have Anna call her back. And the more she didn't respond, the angrier he got. And then shortly after, he vandalizes the apartment and downloads this app on the daughter's iPad. So I would have to agree with the prosecutors that this is a case of jealousy. And obviously, he has a lot of rage because once Ali finds out about the man in the apartment, a lawyer in the courtroom said that he put his loaded gun on the holster located on his left hip, left his hotel in Mission Bay, and went to the downtown San Diego apartment complex. He went to the elevator on the third floor. Right when he got to the third floor, a neighbor said they heard six gunshots. The lawyer for Anna's friends and family said that Ali was clearly dangerous and is not fit to be a father to his daughter, since he showed his daughter a loaded weapon, and now she has a clear vision in her mind what bullets and a gun looks like. The lawyer's request was that Ali gets no bail and for there to be a protective order for his daughter. This includes her not being able to visit and speak to her father from jail. He's not allowed to talk to her daughter in any form. Not through letters, not through emails, not through phone calls, not through text messages. He can't even contact her through another person and he cannot be within 100 yards of her. And in the courtroom, you can actually hear Anna's friends and family crying. When this happened in 2021, the daughter was saying relatives. I'm not sure if this is still the case now. Ali's cousin said, I'm really hurting for that girl because I know that her life will never be the same again. Someone is going to have to explain to her someday, and it's going to be one of the hardest things that someone is going to have to do. The thing that is devastating is about 24 people a minute are physically abused, stalked, or assaulted by a partner or spouse in the U.S. alone. So I can't even imagine the numbers globally. And... Everyone who knew Anna said that she was a positive person, a great mother, and obviously she did not deserve this. No one deserves this. And I just feel so bad for the daughter. Again, this happened in 2021. She was five years old. So when she gets older and this is going to be so hard for her, like she's going to have to figure out how to process this and it's just a tragedy. So if you're watching this and you're a victim of domestic abuse, or if you're going through something similar to Anna, reach out to someone you trust and to the resources that are available. Again, the links for the resources will be provided. Also make sure if you're a victim of domestic abuse to delete your calls and internet browser history. Even though there is devastating news that happens every single day and I find it important to talk about, I also don't want to forget about positive moments that's happening around the world as well. I always like to leave things on a happy note. So at the end of each podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about a highlight for each week. The highlight for this week is Delta Epsilon an all-black fraternity at San Diego State University. It's not only for undergrads, but it's offered to alumni as well. 
since not everyone has had that experience in college. And I love that, by the way, because I always wanted to join a sorority. I never got the full college experience because I decided to stay in New York City for school, but also because I went to college during the pandemic. So it messed a lot of things up. There was an interview with Brian Leavitt and Jordan Amy. Brian and Jordan are both members of the fraternity, and the main foundation behind fraternities is brotherhood. And Brian said that was the reason why it was so important for him to be a part of this fraternity. He says that he grew up as an only child, and there aren't a lot of Black fraternities in general since most universities are predominantly white. So I'm glad that this definitely exists. And that is it for today's episode. Stay tuned for not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, March 13th. Stay safe and see you on the 13th.